Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of pseudogout found under the rheumatology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 60-year-old man presents to the emergency department for severe left knee pain. His symptoms began approximately 8 hours prior to presentation. He denies trauma to the joint, and this is the first time this has occurred. Medical history is significant for hemochromatosis managed with weekly phlebotomy. On physical exam, the left knee is erythematous, warm, enlarged, and tender to palpation. Radiography of the affected joint demonstrates chondrocalcinosis. Joint aspiration demonstrates a leukocyte count of 2,500 per millimeter cubed with a negative gram stain. Polarized microscopy shows weakly positively birefringent rhomboid crystals. Let's continue with an introduction to pseudogout. Clinically, it is defined as a metabolic arthropathy due to deposition of calcium pyrophosphate dihydrate in a connective tissue. In terms of its epidemiology, risk factors include radiographic CPP deposition as it increases with age and hypercalcemia. In terms of the etiology, it is due to CPP deposition in joints. In terms of the pathogenesis, Aging and or genetic factors may result in increased adenosine triphosphate breakdown, producing inorganic pyrophosphate. CPP is then produced after inorganic pyrophosphate binds with calcium, and the CPP then deposits in cartilage and synovial fluid, leading to a synovitis. And conditions associated with pseudogout include hemochromatosis, hyperparathyroidism, hypomagnesemia, which can be seen in Gittleman and Barter syndrome, as well as joint trauma, surgery, and severe medical illness, as these conditions can provoke an acute attack. Moving on to the presentation. In most cases, patients will be asymptomatic. However, acute attacks of pseudogout typically affect the wrists, knees, and metacarpophalangeal joints. This is clinically indistinguishable from gout, and symptoms and physical exam findings typically include pain, erythema, warmth, swelling, and disability of the affected joint. One may also experience a quote-unquote pseudo-rheumatoid arthritis, which is inflammatory arthritis symptoms. This involves joint pain and morning stiffness. One can also experience pyrophosphate arthropathy, which resembles osteoarthritis. In terms of imaging, radiography is indicated to assess the affected joint. Specific findings may include chondrocalcinosis and degenerative changes. Remember that chondrocalcinosis appears as hyperdensities that are punctate and linear. In terms of other studies, one may perform an arthrocentesis, which helps to confirm the diagnosis. Gram stain and culture should always be performed since infection could coexist. The leukocyte count is typically between 2,000 and 100,000 per millimeter cubed, with greater than 50% polymorphonuclear cells and polarized microscopy demonstrates weakly positively birefringent rhomboid crystals. Remember that these are blue when parallel to light and yellow when perpendicular to light. And with regards to the differential, make sure to think about gout, with differentiating factors being that polarized microscopy will typically demonstrate negatively birefringent crystals. Gout also more commonly affects the first metatarsophalangeal joint. And in terms of treatment, conservative options include observation, which is indicated in patients with asymptomatic chondrocalcinosis. Medical options include non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which are indicated as an initial treatment option for pseudogout. Another option is colchicine, which is also indicated as an initial treatment option for pseudogout. 
Another option is glucocorticoids. Remember that injections of the affected joint are typically used in patients with less than two involved joints. However, oral medications are typically used in patients with greater than two involved joints. Complications related to pseudogout include joint damage. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that acute attacks typically resolve in 10 days. Patients may experience functional limitation due to joint damage, and this disease may resemble osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to pseudogout, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 64-year-old male presents to his primary care physician with a chief complaint of left knee pain. He describes acute onset knee pain last evening that was accompanied by redness of the skin around the joint. He denies any precipitating injury or recent activity that could have caused this pain. He describes a similar episode that occurred in his right knee two months ago. He did not seek medical treatment, and the pain mitigated after five days. Physical exam is significant for the following. Left knee is warm to touch, erythematous, and extremely tender to palpation. Range of motion in flexion and extension is limited by pain. Crepitus is noted with passive movement of the knee joint. The patient is noted to be afebrile with all vital signs within normal limits. Aspiration of the left knee joint is ordered and reveals positively birefringent rhomboid crystals. Which of the following findings could also be seen in this patient associated with their current diagnosis? And the answer choices are choice one, decreased serum calcium levels and elevated phosphate levels. Choice two, autoimmune destruction of pancreatic islet cells and elevated blood glucose levels. Choice three, insulin insensitivity and elevated blood glucose levels. Choice four, bronzing of the skin and elevated blood glucose levels. Or choice five, Kaiser Flesher rings and decreased serum ceruloplasmin. The best answer to this question is choice four, bronzing of the skin and elevated blood glucose levels. This patient's presentation is consistent with a diagnosis of calcium pyrophosphate dihydrate deposition disease, or CPPD, also known as pseudogout. Pseudogout is associated with hemochromatosis, which presents with bronzing of the skin and diabetes from pancreatic damage. Additional diseases associated with pseudogout include prior joint trauma, familial chondrocalcinosis, hyperparathyroidism, Gittleman syndrome, gout, hypothyroidism, rickets, familial hypocalceric hypercalcemia, hypomagnesemia, and hypophosphatasia. CPPD occurs most commonly in proximal joints, the knee being most common, of patients over 60 years of age. Radiographs reveal chondrocalcinosis, and joint aspiration shows positively birefringent rhomboid-shaped crystals. In this case, the association with hemochromatosis would prompt the clinician to order electrolytes, iron studies demonstrating an elevated free iron and ferritin, and a fasting blood glucose demonstrating hyperglycemia. When approaching this patient, it is important to first know the diagnosis is a monoarticular arthritis, which could be gout, pseudogout, or infectious arthritis. Given the lack of a sexual history and systemic signs, it seems less likely that this patient has an infectious arthritis. Regardless, the next step in management is to perform arthrocentesis. Though the cell count and gram stain is not given, the actual results of a polarized light exam are given, which reveal positively birefringent rhomboid crystals, sealing the diagnosis of pseudogout. 
With the correct diagnosis in mind, it is now important to know the associated diseases that could predispose one to pseudogout, most importantly, hyperparathyroidism and hemochromatosis. This question requires an extra step in thinking of knowing the common presentation of certain diseases with the classic quote-unquote bronze diabetes of hemochromatosis given. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Decreased calcium and increased phosphate are classic findings associated with hypoparathyroidism. Hyperparathyroidism, not hypoparathyroidism, is associated with pseudogout. Choices 2 and 3. Autoimmune destruction of islet cells, such as in type 1 diabetes, and insulin insensitivity, such as in type 2 diabetes, are not associated with pseudogout. Choice 5. Kaiser Flusher rings and decreased serum ceruloplasmin are classic findings associated with Wilson's disease, which is not associated with pseudogout. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old woman presents to the emergency department for sudden joint pain. She states that the pain started several hours ago and has been worsening. The pain is localized to the knee and is preventing her from walking. The patient has a past medical history of diabetes and was in a car accident one week ago. She is currently taking insulin, lisinopril, and hydrochlorothiazide. Her temperature is 99.4 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 137 over 78. Pulse is 100 beats per minute. Respirations are 15 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. Physical exam is notable for a hot and painful right knee. The patient is unable to demonstrate her gait on exam. Passive range of motion elicits severe pain in the right knee. A radiograph is ordered and demonstrates chondrocalcinosis. Which of the following is most likely to also be seen in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Cartilage degeneration on arthroscopy. Choice 2. Increased neutrophils with positive culture results on arthrocentesis. Choice 3. Negatively birefringent crystals on arthrocentesis. Choice 4. Positive circulating anti-CCP antibodies. Or choice 5. Rhomboid crystals on arthrocentesis. The best answer to this question is choice 5. Rhomboid crystals on arthrocentesis. This patient is presenting with an erythematous and warm joint in the setting of chondrocalcinosis on radiography, suggesting a diagnosis of pseudogout. Pseudogout is associated with rhomboid crystals on arthrocentesis. Pseudogout presents with a hot, inflamed, and tender joint and typically affects the knee most commonly, as well as the ankle or large joints of the upper extremity. A specific finding of chondrocalcinosis can be seen in pseudogout on radiography. Chondrocalcinosis is calcification of the hyaline or fibrocartilage. Arthrocentesis is the most accurate test and will demonstrate rhomboid-shaped crystals. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Cartilage degeneration on arthroscopy is indicative of osteoarthritis, which presents with chronic joint pain that steadily worsens without signs of inflammation. Choice 2. Increased neutrophils with positive culture results on arthrocentesis suggests a diagnosis of septic arthritis, which would present with severe pain and systemic symptoms such as fever. Choice 3. Negatively birefringent crystals on arthrocentesis suggest a diagnosis of gout, which is a possibility. However, the finding of chondrocalcinosis is more specific for pseudogout. Choice 4. 
positive circulating anti-CCP antibodies suggests a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, which presents with symmetric joint pain, usually involving the hands, that is worse in the morning. Finally, a bullet summary. Pseudogout is associated with chondrocalcinosis and demonstrates rhomboid-shaped crystals on arthrocentesis. That's all for this review about pseudogout. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.